Swivel. Hey guys, I'm Jaden. I'm many things to many people, including a mother to two beautiful girls, a hairdresser, a small business owner, a wife, and now a podcast host. Because of course, I needed to add one more thing to the list. I'm Lauren and I'm Jaden's on-air producer. So that means that I help rein her in because she can talk your ear off if you let her. I'm also a mum to a toddler and I've got one in the oven as we speak. While I live on a farm in rural South Australia, Jaden lives in inner city Sydney. That's right. In so many ways, Lauren and I are completely different, but we both know what it's like to live with a tiny drunk narcissist, which is what I affectionately like to call my toddler, but not to her face because she can be really scary. So anyway, it goes to show that anyone can be a part of the mummy village that we're creating because mums should never feel alone. That's why I'll be bringing people from my personal village and support network onto co-hosts alongside me in future episodes, and I'm so excited to share that with you. It doesn't get any more real than this. We share the good, the bad, the absolutely shit, and the funny parts when it comes to parenting, and we want to include you. So join us for another episode this week on Mummy Village. Well, I thought we would start off um, this week by sharing our parenting highs and lows for the week. And <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to think of the high, but you you take it away, Lauren, while I just like... I feel like the lows come really easy because you that that's the thing that like sticks out in your brain. So I'll tell you one of mine. All right. So this week I had a bit of a scare, Jaden. My low for the week was that Finn and reacted to peanuts. I didn't quite realise what was happening initially oh because God. he'd had peanuts before. So, yeah, he started coming out in hives, um, getting itchy on the back of his neck, and then his, like, lips started swelling up. It was really scary. It actually was the startings of anaphylaxis. Oh, my God, so, Lauren. Yeah, so we had to rush him into hospital. Um, How far away is hospital again? It's a about 30 kilometres, give or take a few. But luckily, my mum was with me that day. She was helping me do a few things around the house. And and she's a nurse, isn't she? She is a nurse. So she called ahead to the hospital while we're on the way just so they could get everything ready because we thought he would need adrenaline. And then on the way, he actually threw up, which helped. And I think it repelled all the peanut he had consumed and he started to calm down a bit and, yeah, so that was my ordeal for this week. He spent a few hours in the hospital, which wasn't fun. Oh, it's my nev- God. It's never fun when your kid is sick. Yeah, pretty scary. So it's been a bit of a sharp learning curve for us this week. So what does that mean now? Does it mean that he can never have peanuts? Like do you have to have one of the ends? Yeah, so there's a few things that we're doing right now. We've got a referral for an allergy specialist in Adelaide. Oh, and my God. So, yeah, we're going to book into that and get in as soon as we can. In the meantime? Yeah, we're just going to steer clear of that sort of thing for now. There's lots of things he can have still, but we're just trying to be a bit more cautious this time. The doctor gave me a couple of EpiPens. You know, I feel prepared now. It's just something I've got to be a bit more cautious about now. So far out. (laughs) Went through my pantry. So many things you wouldn't think have peanuts in them, have peanuts in them. So... That's why I could never live in a rural town. 
<laughs> like, if that was me, I'm sorry, I would be having a fit on the way to the hospital. I'd be no help to anyone. Yeah. Having your mum there, like, of all days, see how the universe works? Mm. Your mum was with you on that day. Mm. And did that help with your anxiety? Because I can assure you now that if my mum was here and that was happening with Georgia or Rhea, I would have to be worrying about her, myself, <laughs> and the kids. She'd be like, Jaden, Jaden, Jaden. She would be going off. Bless her yeah. heart. Whereas like, my mum's very, like, I don't know if it's a nurse thing or if it's just mum, but she's very calm and collected. Was your anxiety high? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I need that right now, but. <laughs> because you're really calm, Lauren. <laughs> I know. Like we were just talking about this the other day about how like, casual and cool I can be <laughs> compared Seriously. to you. But this was like a very scary situation, I think, and. Yeah, it's yeah. made me rethink a couple of things. I'm like, wow, I should be more prepared kind of things. Anyway, so yeah, my anxiety was running high that day. But like then we were in the hospital and he's like running up and down the corridors after he had his medicine. He was fine. <laughs> so <laughs> That's anyway. PTSD right there. I'd be calling my therapist <laughs> straight away. <laughs> I have thought of a high. Mm. Okay. I can't believe I even had to think about this, but with so much going on. So... Mm. We had George's first ever dancing concert, which oh, is a cute. super exciting and special thing for me because I used to dance and I just love the fact that she just loves it. And and same with like little Maria as well. Mm. I said to my husband, I was like, Stelios, oh, you know what? Even if she just gets onto the stage, I'll be so proud. Even if she just makes it on the stage because she can be quite introverted. You just didn't think she'd have the courage I, or just I think know, she'd I feel really bad saying that. This. Like she's three yeah. and she's out there with the people she knows, but with I just couldn't picture her getting on stage in front of all those people. But the little superstar that she is walked onto stage and, oh, my God, she just looks so bloody cute. And we're such a like ethnic family. So we've got <laughs> me, my husband, Maria on his lap, Jenny, my auntie, Ivy, my little cousin, behind us, my stepdad, Camillo, my mum, mm. my mother-in-law from Greece, who's down here at the moment, and then my <laughs> grandmother. So, wow. There, oh, and my other auntie, Catherine, as well. So there was like all of us there cheering her on. And we're like, and you can hear like little Maria going, Georgia, Georgia, look, Georgia. And then you've got Ivy and you can see like Georgia in the dark, like trying to find us. Yeah. And and then the music started and she just aced it. She went oh, for great. it. And I'll put some video content up on our Instagram so, like, everyone can have a look because I'm so proud of her. But she was just such a little superstar and that was my highlight. It was absolutely incredible seeing this little three-year-old with so much sass and so much confidence on the stage I started crying when she came on like not crying but like I was quite emotional and then I looked behind me because it was so special to have my mother-in-law here yep. and to be able to witness that and my mother-in-law was like sobbing <laughs> thing. She was like, oh my god well um, yeah I mean she lives away from you as well so well, she, she lives in get, Greece yeah so, so she would only see snippets really of that's her growing right. up so probably so it was really, really special and then I got to show my grandfather I went to the hospital after and I went to show him the video of her and he smiled and he was like oh my god look at her it was just a really beautiful day and then a low the low was I had a really bad headache that day 
And when I've got a headache, I sometimes get migraines. I don't know if you've ever had a migraine before, but I can't be, oh, alone. I can't be in a room. I can't even hear, like I can't hear anything. And so I had a headache and too much information, but I had really bad diarrhea for quite some time. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. But because my grandfather's been so sick, I've had really bad anxiety, which has caused quite severe diarrhea for me. Anyway, we ended up going to Toddy's, which is a restaurant in Sydney, and we wanted to take Georgia out for, like, lunch, like, after her concert mm-hmm. and, like, you know, we got her flowers and, you know, it was a big deal. And and we're at the restaurant and they've sat us out the back because I booked for three and heaven forbid one of them listens to this, but I booked for three but I told them that I booked for six. To any manager, restaurant owners that are listening right now, I'm sorry, I'm that person. <laughs> and anyway, and anyway, so they ended up fitting us in because I go there quite regularly and we're sitting at the back and we've got Ivy with us who's my little cousin and mm-hmm. she's carrying on with Georgia. Georgia's feral, M- Maria's feral, they need to eat. I'm needing to go to the bathroom, but I don't want to go to the bathroom. And it just was like, it was just a fucking shit fight. It went from such a, like a great positive, like, I'm so happy. I'm so happy to get me the fuck out of here. Like, I just want to leave. Like, I don't even want to be here. And I lost it. I was like, Georgia, stop. Enough. And she's like, mommy. And I was like, I'm sorry, but please, we're at a restaurant. Calm down. And my auntie Jenny, she's like nonchalant. She's like, Leave them alone. They're kids. It's okay. I'm like, <laughs> we're at a restaurant. It's like one of my favorite restaurants. And I was just wanting to eat the burrata, which is like this beautiful cheese and like this amazing bread. And I just couldn't eat much of it because I was so unwell. Like my yeah. headache was so bad. Yeah. So I guess that's a low because I tried really hard not to put my shit onto everyone else, but of mm. course I couldn't. Sometimes it just spills out when you get to a certain point, I think. And oh, that was me. I was just about to say, like, I read something that was like, you should never do more than one thing with a toddler. (laughs) So, you know, you've done the concert. Yeah. The restaurant was always going to go badly. I have never read that. (laughs) I mean, Maria, my youngest, you put food in front of her and she shuts it and she's like, more, more, more. But even my husband, Stelios, he was like, we're never doing this again. This is bullshit. Like, I just want to go, like, you know, and I got home and I was okay. And I think it was just like so much going on in a day, like so many emotions that I was like, oh. But anyway, yeah. so yeah, so that was my high. That was my low. But you all haven't in the same shared. Day. <laughs> all in the same day. You haven't shared a high. What's a high for you? Well, a high for me would probably be that Finnan has started talking in sentences, which is <gasps> freaking That's hilarious. Massive. Isn't yeah, it so good. Some of them still don't make sense, but <laughs> they're pretty funny. <laughs> so, like, Mitchell can come home for lunch because he like works on the farm that we live on, Amazing. and he was leaving after lunch. I can't believe that. Like, shut the just... door, and Finnan goes, "Bye, Daddy, go mowing." <laughs> and it's like that doesn't make any sense, but I'll take it. It's a sentence. I'll take it too. Because <laughs> how old but, like, is he now? He's just turned two and he's a bit slower to have learned to talk. They say boys often are a little bit slower than girls. Yeah, they are. So, so. But, yeah, he's got, like, his cute little catchphrases at the moment, which are just so funny. Oh, and, stop. yeah, I don't know why he thought Dad would be mowing because. What? You live on a farm, suppose... love. <laughs> yeah, but we... <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> the sheep mow the lawn. Can you do me a favour? Can yeah. you, like, video record? 
a day in the life of Lauren, just so we can show, <laughs> yeah. our, just so we can show our listeners, like, because I mean, I'm in the city, so yeah. my day to day would be very different to yours, and mm. I just love how we're two mums, right? So we're going mm. through the shit together and we're going through the good together. That's all quite similar. We're going through the same stuff, yet you are in a whole different dimension yeah. to what I'm in. But we're, we're mums. Mum life is the same no matter where you are in the world. That's you why we be... get along so well, Jaden, is because like, we can be more different, really. <laughs> Jaden, did you want to tell me what you've got coming up? So this week? Yes. This week we're going to be talking about my own birth stories because I want to talk about experiencing a VBAC, which is a vaginal birth after a cesarean. We also get to speak to midwife social media influencer, the midwife mummy, about empowering women to make informed choices for their birth. So Great. I'm excited about that. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to her as well. So you, with your first, had a cesarean, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I had an emergency Caesar with Georgia. It was a 42-hour labour, not active. Yeah, so I <laughs> I was huge. People would stop me on the street and be like, are you carrying twins? And I felt like saying no triplets. Yeah, I was massive. <laughs> and my obstetrician said, let's get her out. She's you're like, you're measuring so much bigger than your scan. And she booked it right there and then. And Stelios and I were so excited. We're like, oh, my God. And then we got in the hospital. They put like a gel in my vagina to break my waters, like to stimulate my cervix. And then the longest you can keep it up there for is 12 hours. So Sue, my obstetrician, wanted to keep it in there for 12 hours. That was a Saturday morning. She checked me. I still hadn't really dilated much. So they went in with a bit of a prick and pricked my waters. And then I had like water gushing out just to give you a real picture. And then it was just a waiting game then and like trying to get like the contractions in and all that jazz. But they still thought at this point that you were going for a vaginal birth. Yep. They were just inducing you at the start to sort of get things going. To bring it on because she was measuring bigger. Like my, well, my tummy was Mm -hmm. measuring a lot bigger and then there wasn't much movement, but my contraction started happening and I did calm birth, which is an incredible two day intense breathing and really it's a holistic way of giving birth. And I just breathed through the contractions. And I remember the educator from Calm Birth saying, you're going to feel so empowered when you are having your contractions and when you finally have this baby. And I thought, he's fucking crazy. Like, no way. I'm going to be in so much pain. But he was so right. Like every contraction that came, I really breathed through it. And I was able to manage it. I was really calm, collected. So I moved into the water because I was starting to get a few back pains and and I had happy gas. So I was managing like a boss, just going through them. And then I was getting really tired. So I sat in the bath and then they called my obstetrician to come because it's heading into the night to check me. And she's like, look, you're three and a half centimetres. We need to check you. And I said, okay. So I got out. And within a second, I was like, oh, no, 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 I can't, I can't do this. This is, this is torture. So she checked me and I was at four centimetres and I was like, epidural time, get an epidural. And so the epidural came in, got it. I felt like an incredible human being. I was like, oh, this is amazing. Now, Georgia was on my left side. 
So with an epidural, as you know, well, did you have an epidural? I did not, no. Oh, what? <laughs> oh, I my wanted- God, Lauren. Yeah, with Finnan, I wanted to not have one because I wanted to know what it was like, so. Oh, my God. Okay, you're incredible. Um, <clears throat> that's right. You're in the country. They Do they have the epidurals fa- there? They had the facilities to do it. <laughs> Far out. <laughs> but, yeah, I just didn't want to have No, one. I'm definitely one that has epidural. And I also Kudos didn't have you. a labour as long as you, so the window for me to choose to have one was probably relatively short. Okay, got you. Mm. Well, I'll let you know, epidurals, once you have them, you have to top them up and you can't stay too long on one side. Like you have to move around. Anyway, I fell asleep for six hours. I was out, (laughs) right? And I woke up and all of a sudden I could feel everything on my right side, like everything. And in those six hours, still now, like it's, it baffles me that I was even sleeping for that long and I wasn't mm. being checked on and stuff like that. But anyway, I basically, Sue came in and was like, look, you're at nine and a half centimetres, but you have a temperature and George's heartbeat is, it, it's not decreasing, but it's, you know, she didn't want to give too much away because remember I had prenatal my anxiety was through the roof and she really held it together so beautifully. And, she, and I was like, Sue, whatever you want, like whatever you think. And she said, I think we suit up for a, for a Caesar. In the time that we suit up, you might have moved. Let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. But at that point, Lauren, I was in agony. I was like, no, 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 no please, please just put me to sleep. Like I, w- I could feel everything. So I get into the room. Stelios is all suited up. He's got the GoPro ready to go like as if he's, you know, going to shoot a movie or whatever. And I get down into the theatre and my mum comes in as well. She's like, oh, no, 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 I can't miss this. Like that's my first grandchild. And they're like, all right, suit up, but you're not going to be able to come into the theatre room. She's like, that's okay, that's okay. Anyway, at this point I'm screaming. I've gone out of my happy place and I'm just thinking, get me the fuck out of here. Like just put me to sleep. I can't deal with it. And then the catheter stopped working. Like they had to put the catheter back in, but blood squirted everywhere. It was like a fucking crime scene. I'm not kidding you. (laughs) And at that point, because I had lost complete control of myself, they asked Elios to leave the room and you go into the theatre and the prep room is all stainless steel. It's scary as shit. Well, I thought it was scary in my personal opinion. And it's sterile and it's not nurturing. It's not Zen. It's not anything. It's like, I'm about to get cut open and I don't know if I'm going to come out of it alive. So Stelios was asked to leave. Then you can hear my mum chatting to another person on the ward, like in the theatre space. I don't know what the fuck she was saying, but she was carrying on to the point where Sue, who is like the calmest person in the world, my obstetrician, is like, keep it down out there, please. Keep it down. And at that point, I'd lost complete control. I was just so scared. And Sue, my obstetrician, was like, okay, Jaden, so if we put the rest of this epidural in and it doesn't work, then we can't do a spinal. You'll have to get general. So I think we should do a spinal. And I was like, no way. I'm going to get paralyzed. Just I don't care. See if it works. And anyway, she stopped the whole room for a second and was like, get her husband back in the room. He needs to support her. 
She's my patient and she really was a boss. Like I was like, oh my God, go Sue. <laughs> so Stelios comes back in with no GoPro and, and he's like, you know, I've got you. It's okay. And I was like, just give me the general. Like I just wanted to be put to sleep. I was in such a state. And anyway, they were putting me under general. I got on the bed and I don't really remember much, but I remember waking up in the room and it was cold and it was lonely. The midwives were talking amongst themselves about what they were doing on the weekend. And I was like, hello. And they're like, oh my God, hello, darling. Welcome back. And I was like, how is she? Is she safe? And I didn't have a birth plan, but I was very, very adamant that I wanted Georgia on my chest when she came out. Mm. That's all I wanted. I had this thing that my mum never put me on her chest because I was a cesarean born baby. So I had like this thing in my head that I'm going to have the same relationship with my kid if if I don't put them on my chest. I know it's warped, but what can I say? Anyway, Sue comes down, my obstetrician straight away. And she's like, Jaden, she's so beautiful. Congratulations. And Stelios has her upstairs. He hasn't allowed anyone to hold her. He wanted you to be the first one to hold her. He's been doing skin to skin with her. So three and a half hours later, I met her and I just visualize it so beautifully now that when he was wheeling her into my room, I just saw this white light around him, like just this aura. And I just remember thinking in that moment, fuck, I don't think I loved you before this moment because I am so in love with you right now. Like I just had this euphoria for him. Do you think like that's probably quite unusual people, you know, gravitate towards the baby immediately. Do you think that had to do with having the C-section and going under or...? I don't know. I think I had so much anxiety around my pregnancy, during my pregnancy, this fear around psychosis and this fear around postnatal depression that I don't think I got to enjoy Georgia, you know, but for Stelios, like my husband, I was like, oh my God, Lauren, I didn't want him to leave. Like he went to go get something from home and I burst into tears and I was having a full-blown anxiety attack. I was like, please, you have to come back. You have to come back. And I had my grandparents and my auntie in the room with me. Yeah, okay. But I didn't feel safe without him. Hmm. And, and yeah, so, you know, that was incredible to feel that. And then I remember putting Georgia straight on my chest and at calm birth they had explained that when you put the baby on your chest, they're like a little animal. They'll just find their way to your boob. And I was like, yeah, bullshit. Let's see. So I put her on my chest and she did. She literally wobbled her head down to my boob. And I was like, fuck Stelios. Look, she's doing it. And we were just like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, it's just incredible. And they said to me, look, she's got jaundice. We're going to put her into the NICU ward for two days and just see how she goes. And I was like, what? What do you mean? And they're like, it's okay. You can go down and visit and, you know, breastfeed and all that kind of jazz. Anyway, I went down there and just hearing the machines. And mind you, this private hospital is one of the best in our state. And they had just done a huge renovation in the NICU ward and it was so beautiful. They had like little hubs for each family Mm -hmm. to really like have their privacy and really, you know, fridge and everything. And I remember walking in there and I just had this, overflow of fear and anxiety and I was like what the fuck is happening to our child why is she here and then when I got into our into our little NICU room there was this like incubator 
with all these like heating lights and then they had to put a mask on her and then when they put that mask on her, I fucking fainted. I was like, (gasps) and the midwife was looking at me like, is she okay? Like, this is not a bad thing. This is a good thing. And I was like, (gasps) so I had my first full-blown panic attack Mm -hmm. because I just felt grief. I was like, oh my God, she's going to be taken away from me. Mm. Like, no, this is all too good to be true. And all the old conditioning thoughts and all the old bullshit was coming back in my mind that was like, no, Jaden, you're not good enough for this. You don't deserve to have this. And I look back at that time and I'm like, fuck you. I do deserve (laughs) to have this. You know what I mean? Screw you, little voice in my head. I do deserve to have Mm. this. And, you know, so I came back into the room and by the time I got to my room, this is how amazing my health team were. I had my psychiatrist, my obstetrician and the social worker on a conference call talking to me about what just happened, what took place because the midwife was like in shock. And they said to me like, what would have made you feel better in that situation? And I don't know, like, you know, when you lose someone – if they're in your space or if you go back to that person's house or something and they're no longer there, it's like that gut-wrenching grief, like, <gasps> you know, that that feeling of loss. And I felt that when I saw her muslin wrap on the bed, but she wasn't in there. Yeah. So I was like, oh, my God. And then the phone rung. We got on a conference call and I was like, if someone had have just explained to me that she was going to be in an incubator, there were going to be lights, she was going to need some tubes and a face mask, like... If someone had just thoroughly gone through that with me, I wouldn't have had such a shock, mm. you know. So we eventually got her back in the room and they wanted me to stay there just to keep an eye on my mental health. So I was there for seven nights, eight days. Time. Yeah. And then we came home and, you know, that's a whole nother story about <laughs> that. But I was really scared about falling pregnant, right, for the second time because obviously this story is quite traumatic and mm-hmm. – full on. But I had things in place with Maria, which is my second. And I really wanted to try doing a VBAC, having a natural delivery because I knew that I got to nine and a half centimeters. Mm. So I didn't do any research on VBACs, like vaginal birth after cesareans. Mm -hmm. I didn't do anything. I just joined a Facebook group, which is VBAC Australia support, Mm -hmm. which is incredible, mind you, if anyone wants to really look into it and hear people's success stories. It's amazing. And and then I just said to my obstetrician, I was like, look, Sue, I really want to have a VBAC. And she's like, let's do it. Okay. I don't see why you wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, we got you to nine and a half centimetres. We just need to keep a close eye on you. But, yeah, let's try and see if we can get you there naturally. And if we can't, then, you know, we can sort that out if and when. So through Maria's pregnancy, I had gestational diabetes, <laughs> I was strep B positive. I had no prenatal depression. In actual fact, I was running around and loving life. It was the best I've ever looked. My body could really handle it. I was getting stopped left, right and center about how great I looked this pregnancy. So any of the listeners out there that, you know, had a really shitty time the first time, I'm telling you, it doesn't mean that that's your story the second time. I'm foolproof. And anyway... And this second pregnancy, my placenta was in the back. So I could feel her a lot more. So my anxiety levels were completely lessened. I think 
by 90%. Like it's a pretty big chunk. So we get into the hospital just to do a routine checkup and I had kissed Georgia goodbye that night because I just felt in my gut that we were bringing home a new baby. They ended up breaking my waters okay. with with a bit of a prick, mm-hmm. right, and meconium came out. Gotcha. For the listeners that don't know what meconium is, is when there's a bit of poo from the baby in the waters. It's the first poo. From the baby. Right. I just felt so positive about the whole experience. But for everyone else, it was like, <laughs> okay, well, we've hit a roadblock, but we're going to keep monitoring the baby. She seems to be comfortable. I think they gave us five or six hours to get into labor. Mm-hmm. And we were trying everything. I was bouncing on the ball. I was running up and down the stairs and I was getting really tired. So I was like sleeping a little bit and waking up. And then the midwife came in and said, look, the fact that you're sleeping and you're going in and out of sleep, it's a bit of concern. Like we, we don't want you sleeping. We want you in labor. So we need to get this going. Sue, my obstetrician, was checking in on us all the time. I I think it was around like 6 p.m. And she said, look, if she comes in, she's going to prep you for cesarean. Right. Just because of the meconium and stuff like that. Sue went home. She said, I'm on call. If you need anything, I'm around. Just ask them to call, but I'm going to try and get some sleep. And then beautiful Fiona checked me, who's a midwife, and she said, oh, you're fully dilated. I'm going to prep you for pushing. And I was like, oh. And I looked at Stelios and I'm like, oh my God, is this fucking real? Like we're doing it. But in the back of my mind, I was like, it can turn to shit. So be open, Jaden, be open. It's mm-hmm. okay. And then I was starting to stress out and I was like, where's Sue? Like, why haven't you called Sue? Because Sue needs to be here. And they're like, hey, we've got plenty of time. I can see your contractions. You're all good. And I was like, fucking call Sue now because I don't know. When you get that urge, this that's, good. you know. Your body takes over at that point. And I don't know. I've never done it before. Yeah, true. So Sue came and she prepped and everything. She's like, okay, Jaden, just push like you're like you're you're wanting to do a poo. Mm. And I was like, okay, that's easy. And so I <laughs> I pushed like a fucking champion. <laughs> and she's like, I can see the head. I can see the head. And then they said, do you want me to get a mirror? And because I'm very visual. I was like, yes, please. And I thought they were going to bring in like this little makeup mirror. <laughs> oh my God, Lauren, they they wheeled, I'm talking like maybe 45 centimetre rectangle <laughs> Massive. mirror. And I was like, oh, wow. Like this is really, That's wow. Yeah. I don't think. <laughs> can see. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen so much vagina. <laughs> it was just crazy. <laughs> and it was my own vagina. I just did not need to see that. And yeah. all of us in the room were like going, <laughs> like the whole room. <laughs> and I could see Maria's head. I could see it. I couldn't fucking believe it. It was like right there. And I was like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And within like 21 minutes, I had pushed her out. I put her on my chest and I just, well, ah, I had a success story with a VBAC. That's great. I fucking did it. <laughs> That's amazing. Why do you think that you were so calm the second time around, even though you had so much more that could go wrong, I suppose? I think because I had Georgia. I was occupied with Georgia a lot. I knew that I needed to be good for mm-hmm. her. I needed to be healthy for her, not good, because there's no bad or good. And I knew her whole world was about to turn upside down 
in a positive way, but she might not see it in a positive way at first. And I thought, if I don't do the, if I don't do the things that I know now, had I done them at the beginning with Georgia, then I'm, I'm cutting everyone short, including myself. I couldn't afford to get postnatal. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't afford to be hospitalised with with two kids because I dare say that had I gotten postnatal with Maria, I probably would have ended up in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to be anxious or to be worried. Even when they told me about strep B, I was like, oh, okay. I didn't we'll even look it up. Needs to be I done. didn't even. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, let's just do it. Just give me my baby who's healthy. And because I started my antidepressants a week before her due date, I was I was really anxious about her, her having an effect to the medication. So, you know, I wasn't not anxious, but 90, 95% of that anxiety had gone. There was 5% of that anxiety there just because of the medication. I don't like taking medication when, or anything, to be honest, when I'm pregnant. So, that's why I was very adamant, like, please check her oxygen, please check her oxygen. They thought I was crazy at first. They were like, Jaden, she's fine. She's totally fine. And then half an hour later, I was like, no, 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 please, please. She's on my chest. Something doesn't sound right, doesn't feel right. And thank goodness the pediatrician was still on the ward. And the pediatrician came back and she's like, yeah, okay, no, she, mother's instinct. She needs to go into the NICU ward for some oxygen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And fast forward, we took her home. So they actually discharged me four days after giving birth. Yep. And I was a bit sceptical about that because I was like, oh, my God, I've got a a harness that I need to put on her. Like I'm a bit scared. My milk hasn't come in. Mm -hmm. Like, you know. And they're like, no, you're doing really great. You're fine. You can go home. Mm -hmm. And I spoke to my health team and they all said, no, we're confident. You can go home. But then – a day after we were home and we had visitors over, like I think at that time we could only have like five people in the house. Mm-hmm. I said to Stelios, something is not right. Every time I feed her, her, her arms are going blue. So she was losing oxygen. Mm-hmm. So he took her to Ranwick Children's Hospital and then she was admitted for five nights. Wow. And I would have to say that was probably my lowest point with Maria mm-hmm. and all the fear and then that self-talk of like, I knew it was too good to be Mm. true. I knew it was too good to be true, but I had to catch it and be like, no, this is just a hiccup. This is a good thing. She's getting the help. I caught it. She's getting the help. She's going to be fine. And on the whole, you know, you you had a really positive outcome, you know. Totally. And that's why my obstetrician, Sue, was like, please do not let this tarnish the positivity and the high that you've had with your VBAC. Mm. Like this is just a hiccup in the road, you know, and life is hicking up, you know, like <laughs> that doesn't even fucking make is sense. That a word? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, it probably isn't, Lauren. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like yeah. nothing can be perfect. I get scared when things are too perfect because mm. I'm like, okay, okay what's going to happen? But I'm also trying to change that as well because things are, are always imperfectly perfect mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we're a working progress. So I, I, think, I love yeah, that. And I think your birth story is just, is that basically because, you know, you went from 
almost having a second cesarean to going, no, actually, I do want this feedback. And yeah. yeah, it was imperfect along the way. You had all these complications, but at the end, you know, you got to experience something that not all women get to do. So yeah, I think that's. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very mm-hmm. excited to introduce our guest for the episode. We have Melbourne mum and midwife Sarah Janetta joining us. You might have heard of her or seen her on Instagram. She runs a successful education business for parents called Beyond Birthing and is also known as a midwife mummy on Instagram where she shares lots and lots of useful and empowering information for mums. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Mummy Village. We're very excited to have you. So we know you're a midwife and mum based in Melbourne, but what led you to sharing your experience on social media? Once I went on maternity leave with my son in 2019, I really missed my job and educating women and being in an atmosphere filled with women and birth. And I really missed that. I would share stuff on my personal Instagram page and my mum would be like, can you stop putting your boobs on your Instagram? And and I'm like, no, I'm not going to stop. I love breastfeeding. So I just wanted to share that with other women to empower them as well. And then it just evolved from there. When I was working in the hospital, if there was a student there, I'd be like, yeah, come with me. Like I loved having students with me. Oh, Um, I love that. So then I decided maybe I'll teach a childbirth education course So I went looking for different ones and I really resonated with Hypnobirthing Australia and everything in the course really just resonated with me. I was just explaining, I actually did calm birth with my first and that was incredible. So can you explain what hypnobirthing is? Yeah, definitely. With hypnobirthing, I think there are a little bit of misconceptions around the whole hypnosis and hypnobirthing. Mm. It's not about waving a pendulum in front of someone's face and like clicking fingers and having them hypnotized (laughs) and in a trance and all that stuff. The way I would describe it is giving women tools and techniques to be able to be in a very deep, relaxed, calm state during their pregnancy, their labor and their birth. Guided meditation or deep relaxation explains it a lot better during pregnancy to be able to tune into every single part of your body and tune into your baby. And especially during labor, you're holding tension. So when you have those prompts given to you, like relax your face, let go and drop your shoulders and focus on your breathing and stuff like that makes it like so much easier because you're like, oh yeah, my shoulders are up. So obviously you come across a range of different births, but how do you help mothers through the VBAC process specifically? Yeah. I started offering doula support in December last year. Oh wow. And something that I'll focus on more, I guess in the future is supporting women that are having their second or third or fourth baby that haven't experienced a birth that they've truly loved and felt empowered with. And that goes for women that have had a previous cesarean or two cesareans in the past, especially when, when they viewed their birth as traumatic. And when we're having babies, we should 
look back on that experience and feel very empowered and informed. So when women haven't had that experience, it really saddens me because they don't even think about how beautiful birth can be. And so it comes more so during the pregnancy, building up their confidence and their trust in themselves and giving them the proper information and knowledge and tools so they can make their own decisions and be in control every step of the way and focus on the birth that they truly want and deserve. Love that. That doesn't come from me either. It comes from them. And I think what a good midwife or a good obstetrician or a good care provider or educator or doula, their job is to empower the woman during the pregnancy and give them proper information, knowledge and tools so the woman is not relying on anyone else and knows that she has everything that she needs to be able to birth her baby and have such a beautiful experience. I have to admit, when I had my V back with my second, I felt all those things that you said. I did feel empowered. I remember looking at my husband and saying, when are we going for the third? Because I just wanted to do it all over again. But it's also not taking away the empowerment that I felt after having a cesarean too. I did feel empowered because I wasn't, I was on the fence. I didn't really mind if I had a vaginal birth or a cesarean. I just wanted her to be healthy. But when I had that vaginal birth, it was like another world I had just entered into. That's exactly right. And again, A lot of my posts focus on the natural and physiological side of birth, and that's because most women want to achieve that. But when I start off my classes or when I talk to clients, having a natural vaginal birth is not at the top of the list for me. It's more so that you feel empowered, you've made your own decisions, you're happy with the decisions that you've made, and you feel in control every step of the way. And that's. I've had clients that have had a normal vaginal birth and they didn't feel empowered and they explain their birth as quite traumatic. And then I've also had women that have had emergency cesareans that talk about their birth as very positive and empowering. So that's the main thing. I do live in reality and I know that there are (laughs) high-risk pregnancies and high-risk women and emergency situations. It's not... The majority, the vast majority of women are low-risk, healthy women having very low-risk, healthy pregnancies and babies. But as long as the woman feels empowered, that's really, really important. I would have loved you as a doula. Yeah. (laughs) I might get you for my third. Now, can I ask, what is the common theme, if any, that you see when people are wanting to go down the VBAC path? I think it's just feeling like they've been robbed of their birthing experience and the thing that's lacking is proper support and that's from their support people as well as their provider that is the biggest thing so I was told personally that there will still be a risk that I may need another c-section even if everything goes really well with my second pregnancy and I needed to keep an open mind about the possibility Is there something else that mums thinking about a VBAC should know in advance? There are risks in every pregnancy and every birth, and it's not just for a VBAC. I think that there is a lot of fear around VBACs. Depending on who you talk to, 
and who your provider is. I agree with that. A lot of women, when they have their first cesarean, they get told this has happened this time, but you're a perfect candidate for a VBAC next time and you'll get your vaginal birth the next time. Like, don't worry about it. It's all good. And then during the second pregnancy, you have, I'm having a vaginal birth this time. You're very confident in that decision. Then Mm -hmm. as you're getting closer and closer to your actual birth, that's when those conversations come up or do the risks of having a vaginal birth. You've had a cesarean in the past. You want to keep an open mind because things might not go your way. And although having that information is really important and you want to be informed of all the different pathways that you can take, there's a way to go about giving women that information. And I think a lot of the time as the pregnancy goes along and they get given those little statements in every appointment, their confidence drops a little bit. Wow. It's tricky because you do still have to be warned of the risks, I guess, but there could be better ways of going about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the way that they talk about risks, again, depending on who you're talking to, the risks aren't actually as high as you would think. And the success rate of VBACs is actually really, really high when women have that proper support and confidence with their provider and with themselves. Oh, good. Well, that was actually going to be part of my next question was how do we compare to other countries when it comes to even attempting VBACs, but also cesareans? Because I've heard that we have quite a high C-section rate in Australia. Yeah, I think most countries have a high rate of cesarean sections. Cesarean section rate is just over 35%. So it's more than one in three women are having a cesarean birth, which is really, really high. The World Health Organization recommends a cesarean rate of like 10 to 15%. So more than what it actually should be. That's wild. So there is a massive increase in intervention during women's pregnancies and labours and births. And most women are birthing within a hospital, which is a more medicalised setting. And a lot of the time is not facilitating physiological birth. And the more intervention women have, then the more likely it is that they're going to end up with a cesarean section. And also that fear around birth as well, like that's even more damaging. Yeah, that's real. (laughs) Yeah. We have been conditioned from a very young age that birth is scary and painful and and seeing things on TV shows and movies also conditions us a little bit more when that's not how birth is. And then when they don't get that proper information and knowledge and support during their pregnancy, it exacerbates as they're getting closer to their labor and birth. Um, And it really affects how your hormones are released and it affects how your body works during your labor and birth. So if you have a client, a mum who's going to attempt a VBAC, how do you then help her get away from those misconceptions? How do you help her prepare mentally as well as physically? So I think a big thing is going through her previous experience and really in detail going through her whole pregnancy that she had and then her whole labor and her whole birth and unraveling all of that and then explaining to her maybe why the end result was what it was. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a lot of the time 
not 100% of the time, but the very vast majority of time, there is a lot of intervention that happened during the labor that led to that emergency situation at the end. And then once she understands that, she no longer puts blame on herself or her body or feels like Mm. a lot of women after they've had a cesarean are not really given accurate information on why that happened. They go home and they're like, my body couldn't do it. I failed. My body failed. There's something wrong with me. Yeah, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my body. It doesn't work properly. Which shame, guilt. That's, yeah, exactly. I tell women like you didn't fail. You were failed by generally the system. Wow. That's honestly assuring for me to hear as well, because even though I did have a vaginal birth, I did feel a little bit of shame that I didn't do good enough because I needed a Ventus to get him out. And yeah, that's honestly a little bit assuring for me. And I'm sure it is for like some of our listeners as well, that we didn't fail. That's a really lovely way of thinking about it. So going on from that then, what would be some main points of advice you would give to either a first-time mum or someone who's even had a baby before choosing a birth plan? I would say that if you can, it's beneficial to even start doing that planning prior to you even falling pregnant. Okay. Wow. Yeah, having that knowledge about how your body works. And I think this starts with our cycles and our periods. Yeah. A lot of women are not in tune with their body prior to being pregnant, which is a massive thing for during pregnancy and during your labor and birth, being in tune and creating that bond with your body and your baby. This is something that we should be taught in high school, not when we're Yeah, I agree. (laughs) You know, to tune into our body and learn about our cycles because our cycle is not just that we bleed for five to seven days a month. Our cycle tells us so much about our overall health and well-being and our hormones, which impacts our pregnancy. A lot of women are not in tune with their body and their mind and how they feel. And it's not as complicated, I think, as people would think. It's just when you feel tired, your body's telling you to rest. When you're feeling upset during PMS, Maybe there's something emotional that you're holding back that you need to talk about. So it's really simple things like that, not overworking yourself, listening to your body when you feel like you need a break, whether it's physical or mental, literally just tuning into your body and asking yourself, how do I feel today emotionally and physically? And that could also be really healing in itself because At that time when I was pregnant with Georgia, just to ask myself, how am I feeling right now, was very confronting because I didn't really want to go there. And that's where like the shame and the guilt and all that cycle just continues. Yeah. And women shouldn't feel like they need to deal with that by themselves. Something that I've done is I see my acupuncturist very regularly and I've done Reiki and kinesiology during my pregnancies because of that exact reason. I know there's something there, but I don't know how to facilitate it to come out. And you need to feel that you are in a safe and supported place to be able to really talk about that deep trauma or those feelings that you might not even know is there. And that mind-body connection is so, so powerful which is something a lot of people don't understand. And that's another job that I think is important 
in my doula role is giving women that safe space where they feel that they are very comfortable and they trust me enough that they're able to talk about their feelings. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks so much, Sarah, for coming on. Good luck with your pregnancy and I'm sure we'll get you back on after you've had the bub. Oh, I would love to. And good luck to you, Lauren, as well. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Have a cool birth. Bye. Love. Nice to meet you. I thought that was so interesting, Jaden, because she obviously has some very not as common viewpoints as like traditional midwives, but it's really important to talk about what your options are. Absolutely. I think it's important to have a combination or to seek second opinions in certain circumstances but I I think her biggest message was empowering women through birth absolutely and I think if we can take away that because I have to agree with her it doesn't matter and that's why I wanted to reiterate as well that I had a cesarean I felt empowered Mm. I didn't think anything different Mm. I had a VBAC with Maria and I felt this overwhelm of like oh my god this is wow like I feel powerful. I've had friends of mine that have opted for cesareans because that's their choice and they just want to get back into work and get on with life and they want to know their due date. And you ask them today, they're like, yeah, I do that tenfold again and again. And this is a big thing for me as well. I really don't want to take away people that have had cesareans because yes, no. VBACs are pretty incredible. I mean, they're amazing. And most women who attempt a VBAC will succeed. It has a 70% success rate. If you've previously had another vaginal birth, then your chances increase to between 87 to 91%. So it's got a huge Mm. success rate. But it's also Mm. okay if that's not part of your story. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's right. And circumstances don't always allow for it. That's right. I wish Sarah was around when I was pregnant with Georgia. And the reason for that is because she's so nurturing, very nurturing. She's nur- very calming. Very wasn't she? calming. And she's really in tune and supportive. So, on that emotional side, I think she brings a lot of hope, acceptance, and mm. love, which we yeah. all want. Absolutely. So, yeah. I think she was great. I think she was brilliant. Yeah. I have left this interview feeling very empowered. Good. <laughs> so, That's what we want. Yeah. Empowerment. I'm like, wow, I need a Sarah in South Australia stat. I thought the same thing, Lauren. I was like, fuck, I need her in Sydney. <laughs> How are we going to do this? <laughs> so, if you're someone who's looking to try a feedback, it's something that you really need to discuss with your doctors and your healthcare providers early on and you should definitely talk extensively with your healthcare team and any hospital you're looking to give birth at. If you want to learn more about VBACs, please visit raisingchildren.net.au, which has great info about VBACs in their pregnancy and birth section. We will also have a list of additional resources about the process on our website and blog at mummyvillage.co or follow the link in our bio on Instagram at mummyvillagepod. If you have any questions at all, please send us a DM. We'd love to connect with you. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favourite listening app to keep up to date when we launch our next episode. Tune in for it because we're going to be talking about postnatal depression, which is a heavy one, but I promise we'll have some laughs too. I'm Jaden. 
And I'm Lauren. And you've been listening to the Mummy Village Podcast. Remember, we love you and it's okay if you spend the day or the week or the month in your PJs. We've been there. Bye. Bye.